Brave New Media. Hello, I'm Mahataki from BBC Media Action, and welcome to Brave New Media, a global podcast where brave creators of public interest media outlets tell their stories. Stories that, in this series, explore the different roles media can play to serve the public interest and how these roles impact the way media navigate challenging political environments. In this episode, we'll hear from Arga Ashene, a journalist who created the Ethiopian media platform Wazima, in exile after fleeing his home country. We'll explore the challenges and triumphs that come with returning home from exile and producing media in a politically charged environment. Wazima's, and indeed Ethiopia's story, has seen some dramatic twists and turns. Government, they should be accountable. Media and government, they are not supposed to have cozy relationship. Uh, always you have to sit on the side and watch, evaluate and analyze and bring the fact and information for the public. We, we have that, the watchdog role. I don't want to be quiet. I don't want to be marginalized. I want to be active and I want to show other people they have voice and I have voice too. Now, Argo's view that media should scrutinize political powers can be a dangerous one to put into practice in Ethiopia, a country with a long and difficult history of media repression. We've grown up by listening the state radio and watching the state television. There was a lot of struggle for the private press and the government is extremely repressive, particularly in 2005, following the election defeat, the ruling party, EPRDF. They start a massive crackdown. They shut down most of the newspapers. At the time, I was in the smaller radio station as a journalist there. Then I moved to to another media. Then I started as a reporter for East African newspaper. Despite the crackdowns, Argo was able to continue working as a reporter. But then, in 2010, his name was revealed on a WikiLeaks document, a document that claimed he was an informant to the US government about the exile of journalists in Ethiopia. It changed everything for Aga. When the WikiLeaks document come up online, my name is there. Now the government gets a very good excuse. Okay, now, aha, you are working for the Americans. It's a, a big accusation. Everybody's telling me you have to be moved. Still, I was not convinced at the time, but the security people, as they went to my home, they start knocking the door and checking. That's the time I decided, oh, this thing is serious. I don't want to expose the rest of my family to anything. So then I decided to, to, to move out. It's very, very sad moment. I'm not saying I suffered a lot because I had a good backup and support. Because of that, I left the country very smoothly. Emotionally, it costs you a lot. But for my other friends, it's not like that. They suffered a lot. Some died before reaching to the, the destination. Arga fled to America, 
to New York at first, then Pennsylvania, finally settling in Texas. After living in the US for four years and working as a political analyst, Argo felt an urge to use his journalism skills to positively contribute to his country. After sharing this with some friends who were also in exile around the world, they decided they should start a public interest media platform. And so they did just that and called it Wazima, which roughly translates as dawn of a new era. And in 2014, Wazima was launched. It started as a weekly podcast that they uploaded onto YouTube. You can hear the first episode now. At the beginning, when we start, it's a weekend kind of ritual for four of us. Mostly, we pick a topic and we conduct a discussion. For example, our very first episode was discussing about anatomy of authoritarianism. We explained such kind of issues. Uh, through time, we, we see the demand. So we started the, the website. Even it's not a professional website at the beginning because me and my friend, we created that, that website. So we start publishing some stories. Through time, I think we achieved creating, being independent and credible media. For four years, Wazima operated as a media outlet in exile, providing hard-hitting news to the Ethiopian diaspora. As well as using reporters in exile, they also had an underground team based in Ethiopia who kept their identities anonymous to protect themselves. This meant that they never attended press conferences or spoke openly to sources. But then, in 2018, the political situation appeared to take a turn for the better when Abiy Ahmad's government came into power. In 2018, the new government came to power. It was a very, very emotional time. I think not for only me, it is for many Ethiopians. I see the prime minister, the current prime minister, when he came to the parliament, for handovering ceremony from the previous prime minister. He made promises. He apologized for all the, the wrongdoings. It's the first time in Ethiopian history we heard that the leader is apologizing the public. I think people are crying. So uh, the prime minister promised changes. One of the changes opening up space for the media and to amend the media law in the country, the repressive media law. He called all oppositions in exile, including armed oppositions, to come back to home. So now every other night we see people are packing and going back home. Even the rebels are, you know, driving from neighboring country to Ethiopia. In 2020, we decided to move Wazema from exile to Ethiopia. We start recruiting new reporters. Our underground reporters now, they are legal. They are no more hiding. We give them ID and they go to the press conferences and we are bringing stories, exclusive stories. We realize that they have impact on the government, impact on the public. So 
That was like our golden era, we can call it. At the time, we, we were very important for our audience. This golden era saw Wazima establish a radio program with an Ethiopian radio station and a daily news summary, which they still create and share twice a day through their YouTube and social media channels. But then this golden era with its greater press freedoms ended when a war broke out in late 2020. This war, primarily fought in the Tigray region of Ethiopia, was between the Ethiopian federal government and the Eritrean government on one side and the Tigray People's Liberation Front on the other. As often happens in war contexts, the Ethiopian government clamped down on media freedoms in the country. Freedoms that had only recently been introduced. Nearly three years, we were in a very bloody war. That changes the, the atmosphere. Now we are not talking about uh, freedom of speech. We are not talking about uh, democratic space. It's a matter of survival for some people. People are facing huge, huge, catastrophic death and life situation. So the situation in the last three years because of the war, it's not easy for the media because the government is declared uh, emergency. You cannot allowed to cover everything. So that's considered as a betrayal of the, the, the state. It's a hell because I'm, I'm living abroad and I have enjoyed more freedom. So going back to that repressive environment, it's, it's a, bit, a bit tough. We publish very exclusive stories about the military uh, wing of the business empire how it's mismanaged, embezzled, and uh, overall corruption. They don't like it. They kicked out us from the radio, the radio broadcast, for a couple of months. There is non-state actors. We don't know them. We don't know their name. There are informal groups. Some of the groups are inside the security apparatus. They are taking journalists and arrest. They might come and invade your office. Sometimes they informally issued harassment statements on social media. We have seen several journalists, particularly during the wartime, arrested for not sufficient reasons. Maybe those, those informal groups are inside the government, but we don't know because we, we don't see any formal structure about it. In November 2022, a peace deal was signed, bringing the war to an end. But because of numerous threats they faced, Wazima became adept at walking a tight rope between covering stories that serve the public interest while avoiding serious offence to the government. But despite this editorial approach, covering the stories that matter to their audience still is not easy for Wazima, as they struggle to get any cooperation from government bodies. Always we have a challenge to, to get a verification. In the last two, three days, we want to publish a story. We have the fact from the ground and we want to get the answer from the relevant body. We called the guy, we explained the issue and uh, we asked him uh, for answers. He said, okay, call me back after an hour. I will be available. I will be in the quiet environment so you can get the answer. After an hour, 
as a guy switch off the phone and disappear. This might be he's not lower to speak out or he doesn't want to deal with the issue. We don't know the reason. This is very, very common. But in, in other contexts, the government is giving some statements. Now every other media is reporting the Twitter feed of the prime minister or a two-paragraph statement from the prime minister office. I know the press statement is always included in the, the information flow, but you need to ask, you need some details, you need to ask what's going on. Sometimes they tell you, uh, you can refer from the state media, because in the national TV, they set up the environment conducive for them. The other thing is we have a back channel, even sometimes with the government officials. They don't want to tell you in the, in the public, they don't, you don't mention their name, anonymous sources. In Wazema, we used that too much, anonymous sources, because they are supportive for our independence, our professionalism, but at the same time, they don't want to be associated with us. So they keep sending the information in the back channel and they disappear. Sometimes we have contacted them and talked to them and, yeah, and don't mention my name, don't mention even my organization. Yeah, that's one of the ways we, we are dealing with information flow. As well as operating in a tricky political context, Wazima also have to deal with limited investment and resources. I asked Arga if these challenges meant that they would ever consider moving Wazima back into exile. I think I can say we are a little bit careful. Uh, at the same time, we wish to fulfill our mission. We don't want to give up. Still, we are very hopeful because even when you decide to go back to Ethiopia, we said, okay, now we see the space. We have to be part of this, this history. We have to contribute and we have to work from, from inside. Uh, at the same time, we said, oh, maybe things might be changed later. What we are going to do? We have to think about plan B. So government is allowing a space and we have to utilize that space wisely and carefully. And always we have to claim more space, more freedom. I think that is the best way to deal with the situation. I don't want to be uh, exiled again. Brave New Media. Speaking to Argo, I was really taken aback by the amount of uncertainty that Wazima's team deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. But despite this, they keep going and keep playing a watchdog role. I wanted to understand what could be done to help them in their mission. So I put Argo's story to someone who has extensive knowledge of the media landscape in the region. And that was Rashweet Mukundu, who works for international media support as an advisor on African media. He's based in Zimbabwe. Rashweet, what did you think of Wazima's story? So I think for me, the story of Wazima is it very much reflects the story of Ethiopia in the sense that uh, uh, there is so much hope in terms of uh, reforms and democratization, but so much skepticism and fear equally in terms of the challenges that the society is facing. Thank you. So as you heard, Argo and Wazima's team have had to navigate such a challenging political environment. 
And one of the reasons it's been particularly challenging for them is the fact that authorities often are changing their approach um, to working with the media, which means that the space that Wazima operate in is just constantly changing. Um, as you know, they've also been in and out of exile. So how would you recommend journalists stay agile in such unstable contexts? Uh, in most African countries, Ethiopia included, uh, the trajectory of the political environment tends to shape how the state engages with the media. We cannot divorce or separate the politics. You have to uh, enhance your skills beyond uh, the journalism and normative uh, day-to-day routines of gathering a story. Uh, you have to understand the power dynamics. You have to understand the, uh, you have a deep understanding of the context in which you are operating in. Uh, you need uh, skills, uh, negotiating skills. You need um, to deepen your relations with those sectors that can protect you when you find yourself in trouble. How do you think the wider media industry, like NGOs and donors, could help outlets like Wazima build resilience? I think it's important that we look at not only supporting the likes of Wazima in terms of capacity, innovative ways to produce content, but we also look at issues of financial sustainability so that they are then not politically captured, which is actually the a serious threat that independent media is facing in Africa, especially in this era of global challenges, economic challenges. And we want the likes of Wazima to remain independent, to articulate their issues, to advance their rights, to be sustainable in terms of their uh, operations. Mm. For me, I think it's a need for enhanced coordination in terms of for how the international media support groups are working with media. It's also an issue of having a comprehensive approach that does not narrowly look at one aspect of media, but looks at all the needs and uh, the operational space for such media. So Argo talks about how it's a struggle for them to get the government to comment on their stories. Can you explain why this is happening and why this is a problem? It's a, a problem uh, in Ethiopia, but also a problem across uh, Africa, I guess in, also in other authoritarian uh, non-democratic societies uh, in the world in which uh, the media is essentially seen as a mouthpiece of uh, the political elite. And if media is pushing back, if media is playing its watchdog role, now it is seen as adversarial uh, to those that are in power. So in the case of Ethiopia, what I see, I think, is a transitional situation in which government in power has to re-evaluate, it has to reorient itself in terms of its relations uh, with the media and the Ethiopian political elite uh, finding themselves in a new space in which they are having to relearn uh, and do certain things, learn uh, new relations in terms of how to, to work together. Um, and, and this is an area where a dialogue is also needed in terms of uh, explaining and uh, building awareness on the role of an independent media. And if Argo was on this recording with us, what would your advice be to him? so that he can continue serving the public interest in Ethiopia. In the case of Ethiopia, you are talking of a country that is emerging from years of uh, dictatorship, civil war, uh, economic challenges. It's a society which is hugely polarized around ethnic lines, uh, which is so deep that it even affects the media itself. Uh, For the first time, we have in front of us an opportunity to have a media that can represent the interests of the common person regardless of who they are. 
or where they come from or whatever their political or religious views or what gender they are. And uh, the advice to the likes of Wazima is uh, to raise the standard in, the, in terms of ethics, in terms of representation, in terms of inclusivity uh, beyond reproach uh, to the extent that uh, you address issues that are informed by the needs of your audiences, the communities, uh, but also create a space for, for dialogue, uh, reaching out to authorities so that uh, they have an opportunity to also give their side of the story. So Argo said they always have a plan B to move back into exile in case the situation gets worse. But what are your views on the future of independent media in the country? I'm hopeful for the future of the media. The fact that we have the likes of Wazima operating from Ethiopia and many other independent media, I think is a huge uh, ideological shift within the political elite in Ethiopia for them to accept the presence of an independent uh, media, which was not the case under uh, previous regimes uh, before 2017-2018. Just having that acceptance of the presence of an independent media, I think is a, is a positive development. Brave New Media That's it for this episode and for this series. Throughout this series, we've heard about the many diverse challenges facing journalists around the world, all striving to serve their audiences, but often facing huge political obstacles. We've explored how serving the public interest doesn't have a singular approach or definition. Media can play various roles depending on the context and their goals and how they want to serve their audiences. But all these approaches come with their own set of challenges. Take Project Multatuli. Effie demonstrated immense courage by reporting on a story that directly challenged authorities. But despite Indonesia's relative openness, they've still had to deal with cyber attacks and online smear campaigns. But Jacqueline Lawrence of Highlands FM has a different interpretation of the role media should play. She told us how the focus of media should be to make tangible improvements to people's lives through better service provision. To do this, she enters into a dialogue with the government, something which is controversial and pretty unpopular amongst the media community. And then we have Arga of Wazima, who said that media should play a watchdog role, but they have to constantly adjust their editorial approach to make sure they keep going amidst numerous threats, and they often contemplate going back into exile. So, from listening to their stories and hearing their different perspectives, goals and approaches, it's clear to me that there's room for all of them. Brave New Media is a co-production between BBC Media Action and Holy Mountain. The presenter was Mahataki, the producer was Saskia Black, the executive producers were Mahataki, Paul Harper and Boss Temple Morris.